weeks and try to uh, see what we can drum up for him to send his way just to help him out. Anything will help out. He's got about twenty grand to raise up for the van. Uh, so if you could, if you want to give to that, if you're able to give to it, stick it in an envelope and please mark Van, Manny, Almovez, or any combination of the three. All right? It's right here. Right there in the bulletin, all right? You asked me how to spell it, it's not going to go in right, but uh, you, j- you look right there. The bulletin will tell you everything you need to know on how to spell it, and if you don't have a bulletin, steal one off the back table or steal your neighbor's, all right? And uh, they, you, you can take that. Then we also have one other, all right? Um, this one is that we have a, a church member who has an unexpected benevolence need, all right? We want to be able to help take care of our own. Uh, if you'd like to give to this need uh, today, uh, mark it in an envelope for needy or benevolence, and we will get it to who it needs to go to, all right? We want to make sure that we can take care of our own and our own church, all right? Uh, with this, as you can tell, there's an insert. How many of y'all got that insert? This insert, the rest of y'all just didn't even look at the building. It's right here. It's right in there. You can't miss it. This is important. At the beginning of the year, we said we were going to work on getting a directory together. And so for those of you who would like to be included in the new updated church directory, it will not be a picture directory. It will just be everything right here. All right. Um, Here's what you need to do. Complete this form and give it to Sharon. If you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. And you give it to Sharon. All right. Uh, Sharon, can you put your hand up? I know you hate this. That's okay. All right. Find her. Give it to her and be sweet and nice because she is being very sweet and nice and helping me put this together. All right. Uh, so the timetable for this is between now and when we say we're not taking it anymore. All right. We'll announce that here soon. Okay. But we want to give you at least several weeks to get everything in, write everything down. You should have enough room for your whole family on here. If not, then see us. We'll give you another one of these. All right. Uh, then as well, I want to remind you too, Daylight Savings Time begins next Sunday. Is that right? March the 12th? All right. Who's excited for spring? Everybody. All right. Well, good deal. Sunday, March the 19th as well, we'll be having an interest meeting for Vacation Bible School. And so on that day, anyone that is interested in VBS, come. You're going to sign up uh, probably beforehand. We're going to need your shirt size, all that stuff. We're going to give you information as much as possible so we can get some stuff done and get ready to go. VBS is coming up quick. It will be in June, all right? So just prepare for that. Then Sunday, March the 26th through 29th, we have our spring revival. We've got a different speaker each night. Looking forward to it. believe the Lord will bless through it. Um, so be in prayer. Uh, we, you can already probably see around the church there's different signs and, and things for it. There will also be this week some inserts for your bulletins, some, uh, some uh, flyers to give out to people that you want to uh, invite, and even those that you don't want to invite, give it to them too, all right? Uh, let people know about what the Lord is doing here, that we want them to join us for it. Uh, so with that being said, I wanted to read a couple, of, uh, a couple of verses of Scripture today. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It is a blessed thing to gather together as the church. There should be no other place in the world that we would rather be This week, as most of you know, and probably all of you know, we lost one of our own who was here a week ago. 
He was here at every service last Sunday. And He was at every service before last Sunday. He was faithful. Even this morning, that bench out there was empty and it didn't feel quite right. Even this section doesn't feel quite that right without Him. I want us to understand that we never know when our last moment will be on this earth. And today, as we gather to worship God, I pray that we would not do so with a heart that is half here or a mind that is half here and half out the door. May we see our great need to meet with God's people and for God to meet with us today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time, God. We're grateful for Your faithfulness. We're grateful that we can gather, we can worship You in spirit and in truth. Help us now, O oh God, to do just that. Lord, may we not take this moment that You've given to us for granted that we can gather together as the body of Christ to worship You and to worship Your name, not just for the things that You've done, but God, simply for who You are. We pray that today, that if there's one who does not know You as Lord and Savior, we pray that today that there would be, uh, that there would be uh, conviction upon the heart by the Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word. God, that there would be comfort given to the, to the saint, that there would be a work of You done today in hearts, Lord, that I can't bring, that no one else can bring, God. It must be You, and it must be for Your name's sake, for Your glory's sake. God, we love You. Help us now as we stand and sing. May we do so with a heart full of assurance, full of faith as we gather together, as we see these days approaching, God. May we worship You more and more and more. May we do so with a whole heart today. But we do so surrender to you today. And we do so in fellowship with the saints today. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. May we give it to you now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church family. Blessed be, blessed be the name of the Lord. Am I too close to the pulpit mic? If you're able, please stand and we'll get started singing. I'll fly away, hymn number 779. Of course, it'll be overhead here. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And Brother Caleb flew away last week, and he's going to be home with the Lord. And he's in his presence and has been ever since he passed away. So we praise God for that wonderful assurance. I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore.
it's time to fly away, that's hallelujah time. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. A Perfect Heart, hymn number 70. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Praise God for that. And I will give you an heart of flesh. Praise God. A perfect heart. Bless the Lord who reigns in beauty. Bless the can't make one but God can amen take my life and let it be hymn number 597 Leviticus 11:44 tells us for I am the Lord your God ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and that was our Sunday school lesson this morning by the way sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy for I am holy neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Take our life and let it be sanctified and holy for God's glory. Take my life and let it be
down before you sit down. Let's go around and shake hands. You can move around. You can stay where you're at. Whatever. Just smile. Show a big old smile this morning. Show how happy you are. <laughs> Make everyone feel welcome. Well, praise the Lord. Thank everyone that shared a smile and a handshake and maybe some of you a hug. So praise the Lord for this fellowship time. All right, if we would, let's all make our way back to our seat. No hurry. And we have a special song this morning by Miss Ann Stone. One I'm looking forward to hearing. I don't think I've heard this song before. So come on, Miss Ann. Sing, sing for the Lord's glory. Treasure of 
Justify, praise God, hallelujah. By his righteous, holy, sinless body, blood, our Savior. Amen. Pray with me. Our Father, our God, we thank you, Lord, for this day, this beautiful day, sunshiny day. We praise you for it. Thank you for the beautiful uh, saints of God that, that are in this Lord, this, uh, this church, this building, assembled together to worship and honor and glorify you this morning, the only true and living God. We worship you, adore you, love you, and praise your holy, righteous name this morning. Thank you for that wonderful song, Lord, that tells us, Lord, we're sanctified and justified by your body and your blood and your righteousness and your holiness. Thank you so much, Lord, for that song. Thank you for the message that was in it. Pray it been pleasing to you. We ask, Lord, you'd help our pastor now and preach the word. 
And Lord, give him uh, liberty, boldness, wisdom from on high, and help him to say the words and the message, Lord, that you want given to your people here this morning. Speak to our hearts, challenges, and help us to walk a closer walk with thee always. In the precious, holy, righteous name of Jesus, we pray and ask all things. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. We'll sing one more song here. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. John 6, 68 says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus Christ is the only one that has the words of eternal life. And by him, through him, is the only way. Show us Christ. Prepare our hearts, O God. Help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground. Help our unbelief. Plant your
else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. Amen. What wonderful worship as we're pointed to Christ. That's what we need today. Today, if you came for, here for self-help, you come to the wrong place. If you've come just to try to feel better about yourself or to justify yourself, you've come to the wrong place. When we come to the Scripture, the Scripture takes us to Christ. It takes us back to Calvary where His precious blood was shed for us for our atoning, for, for our sins to save us, to redeem us where He bled and died for us. He went into the grave and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the Gospel message that offers us hope. It offers us salvation today. It is received only by grace, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast because he would boast. It is received by faith. Today, you must put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation. Apart from Jesus Christ, you will die and you will go to a very real hell. Today, what we need when we come to the Word of God, and every time we come to the Word of God, every time we gather in this place as the church, is we need to see Christ. Today what you need, and what I need, is as we look to Christ, it will bring about two things. And today, that's what we're going to see, is it's going to bring conviction. When I see Christ, and I see Him crucified, and I see Him crucified for my sins, bearing the wrath of God that, was, that was, should have been for me, dying the death that I deserved, it brings me great conviction. But now that I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I am in Him and He is in me, what I find is great comfort. There are many this week, and even many of you today, this morning, that are looking for comfort, and we need both conviction and comfort. And we will never reach comfort and true comfort in Christ until we address our convicted hearts. If we remain comfortable in conviction, there is a grave issue. 
If there's conviction, we must respond by faith to the Lord. And then, in Christ, He reveals Himself to us and brings the comfort that our hearts long for. Today, we're going to continue and perhaps even finish off our series, God is Responding to God's Revealing. Take your Bible and turn with me again this week to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12 today, Psalm 139. Today we're going to see that God is omnipresent. To put it shortly, God is here. God is present. God is never not present. He's present right now in the past, He's present right now in the future. For God, Everything in time is right now for Him. It's right there. We serve an all-present God, and this should give us both a great and deep conviction to our hearts this morning. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school this morning. That We don't, we don't disagree that God is omnipresent. We know theologically that God is there. God is all-present in our life, and yet we live as if He truly isn't. That's why we go to the dark depths of our wicked heart and that's why we sin in the dark when no one's around because we feel as if we can get by with it or get away with it because we go, well, no one can see. God is there. God is there where your browser history is wicked and vile. God is there when you are short and, and, and evil speaking to your spouse. God is there when you clock in early clock out late, or everything else in between. God is present. Psalm 139, verse number 7 tells us this. Whither shall I go from Thy Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from Thy present? If I ascend up into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall Thy hand Lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning, and we want to thank you for the worship that we can offer to you, God. Where we could continue on and on. And Lord, even now, as we hear Your Word, it must not just be a time of hearing some words preached. It must be a time of worship as You reveal Yourself to us through the preaching of Your Word, God, that You would show us Christ. Lord, may it not just be a song, may it be a prayer from our heart that today we would see Jesus Christ. Lord, we need nothing else but You. Show Yourself to us today through Your Word. Touch hearts today. Preach and teach to your people, God, because I have nothing I can do that can change a heart today. You alone have the answer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our happiness and our holiness depend upon our response of faith to the revealing of God's grace. You will be as holy as you are surrendered. You will be as Christ-like as you are surrendered by faith to Him. I can tell you this, you will be, and you've heard this a million times, and it still rings true, you will be as close to God as you desire to be. Sadly, there are many Christians who are just fine without being close to God. They want to be close enough to God that they don't go to hell one day 
for eternity's sake, but not close enough where He would impact and change our lives. I want you to know, dear friend, you might be saved today, but the moment you see Christ, you will be overwhelmed by His presence. The only thing, the only reason why anyone that has gone on to heaven and the only reason why you and I that will go on to heaven will even be able to stand in His presence or kneel in His presence or be on our face before His presence is because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The difference between those in heaven and those in hell is those in heaven have received grace and have applied it by faith and have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the only difference. What we've got to understand is that the presence of God, it is overwhelming. It is infinite, and yet there is nothing closer than God being here. A.W. Tozer said, Trying to be happy without a sense of God's presence is like trying to have a bright day without the sun. Dear Christian, I can tell you why you live a joyless life. It's because you live without an awareness, an acceptance, and a surrender to the presence of God in your life. I can tell you why you live without power over sin. It's because you live as if God is not there to give you all that you need to overcome sin. I can tell you, dear lost soul, even right now in this moment, the only thing keeping you is the fact that right now the thought of God's presence is probably the most frightening thing in your life. And it should be. Right now, if you do not know Christ, do not wait for the end of a sermon Bow your knee, humble your heart right now, and by faith, ask Christ to save you. Trust in His death, burial, and resurrection for your forgiveness of sins. He will save you. Do not wait. Eternity is at stake. And eternity is a mere breath away. Everyone in this room one day will see God. Do you understand that you will see God one day? For those who know Christ, there is nothing more comforting. But if you don't know Christ, if you're unsure of your salvation right now, there is nothing more horrifying than to know that you will see God. You will see Him and He will be just. He will not give you another second chance because He's given you all of this life to come to Him. The presence of God is convicting. But dear child of God, it must be your comfort. It must be your motivation for daily living the Christian life. For to live the Christian life outside of the presence of God is to live it in your own flesh. And that is to produce nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. God's grace thus far in this series has revealed to us that He is unending. He is unchanging. He is God. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is love. He is life. He is light. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And today, by God's grace, we will see that He is omnipresent. God is here. We need to know and abide in the presence of Almighty God. Our greatest need today is an awareness of God's presence. We've lost it somewhere along the way. There used to be church services in yesteryear, and some of you might have grown up in them where you would remember sitting there in the pews and hearing the preaching of, of God's Word and hearing the Gospel being proclaimed and poured out behind the pulpit. 
and, and singing and worship would take place. You'd know and you could look around and you could look to one another with such confidence and to simply say, God's here. God's here. That very same presence would cause souls who didn't know Christ long before a service was over, an invitation given to make their way to an altar and a cry to God for mercy. His presence used to be enough for it. It still is, by the way. It used to be that knowing that God was here and that God was present used to be enough for a little old lady to wave a handkerchief and say hallelujah. It used to be enough to bring us conviction that there are souls dying and going to hell. And now we know little of the presence of God. Oh, how much we want the gifts of God. I want you to know the greatest gift that God will ever give to you and has given to you is the fact that He is very near. The greatest present is His presence. To know God is with us. The omnipresence, simply put, means that God is here. He is present in the past. He's present in the present. He's present in the future and all of it to Him is right now. He is the great I Am. Not the great was, not the great will be, the great I Am who is eternal, unending, unchanging. He always has been, He always will be. God remains the same. Our God always has been present. There was never a time where He wasn't present. And I want you to know, in your life, there was also never a time when He left you alone when He was not present. God is with you today. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your sin is. But I can tell you that the omnipresent God is present enough to take care of every need that you've got. One of the sweetest portions of Scripture is the fact that He leads us. And the psalmist here, as David says, even we get to verse number 10, that he's, His hand leads us. He leads us along. When we can't cling to Christ, Christ clings to us and He'll never let go. Let go. His hand is sure. It's steadfast. It's full of strength. Infinite strength. And He'll hold on to us every step of the way and lead us. And His right hand shall hold me. That's our present God. Tozer continued and he said, True and absolute freedom is found in the presence of God. Many Christians today live powerless Christian lives because they fail to live in, by, through, and for the presence of God. Do you know, dear Christian, that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the eternal Trinity of God, the Godhead, abides in you? He is with you wherever you go. What a comfort. What a convicting thought. We've talked about the past few weeks that God knows every thought before you even think it. I want you to know that God is even present there and to think that we defile His presence with unclean lips. Whenever we find God revealing Himself unadulterated and complete in fullness to man, we find in Isaiah 6, we find in John, excuse me, the, uh, the Apostle John there in the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 1. And you know what we find those men doing? the moment that they saw God, they fell as dead men. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a generation and a people of unclean lips. Do you know that every wicked word you say 
is in defiance of the presence of God? Do we know that every time we sin, we are doing it with Him right there? We do so because we care more about the presence of our flesh and the presence of our fulfilling of our own lust than we do knowing and abiding in the presence of Almighty God. Today, as you can probably figure, it's going to be a two-part sermon. This morning we're going to see the preeminence in the place of His presence. Tonight we're going to get to some nitty-gritty things, and if you don't normally come, I encourage you to come, and if you don't want to come, that's your choice. It's not going to change what I do tonight. <laughs> Amen? Is that all right? Tonight, we're going to see the promise and the practice of His presence. We need to see what that looks like. How do we abide in the presence of God? Not one of us theologically today or doctrinally would say, you know, I, I don't know so much about the presence of God. I don't know if it's necessary. You know, I know that God is omnipresent, but many of us have got to understand that it goes much deeper than just knowing that God is there. It will change every moment of your life. When you read your Bible, God is there. When you pray, God is there. When you sin, What a frightening, convicting thought. First of all, we need to look at these verses and we see the preeminence of His presence. In this context of Psalm 139, David responds by faith of praise for God's revealing of Himself. Faith responds to God's grace and praise. He praises God here. Lord, where, where can I go? Where can I go that You're not there? What's the answer, church? Nowhere. Where can you go that God is not already there? Some of y'all love that old country that old country song. I'm already there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's right. Half of y'all was thinking about it a minute ago. You know it. You've sung it. It's made you cry. You've thought about it when you've lost a loved one or when you miss somebody. That's what country songs do to you, don't they? God is present. Yet when we think about the presence of God, rarely does it bring us comfort or conviction. We brush it aside as if it is just another attribute of God like it doesn't matter or apply to our hearts or lives. There is nothing more practical than the presence of God. There is nothing more practical than abiding and knowing and living a life in the fullness of His presence. Psalm 139 is the omni-psalm. David writes this through God. And God is showing and revealing in this psalm His omnipotence, His omniscience, His omnipresence. All of these things are found in this psalm. You could study it over and over and over again. And David praises God that He is present in his life and for the importance and impact of God's omnipresent hand in his life. When's the last time, dear saint of God, that you just thanked God that He was with you? When's the last time that you got before Him and you just said, thank you, Lord, that you're here, that you're with me? When's the last time that in the midst of sorrow, instead of running to some self-help book or running to someone on television or running to your friends, that you just ran to God and said, God, I know that you're here. You're present in this trial. You're present in my suffering. Do we know that God is there? You might theologically, you might say, well, I know God's there. But if God is there, He cares about you, dear believer. And He wants you to know the great convicting and comforting power of His presence. Except many of us will 
Show up to work tomorrow morning and think that, well, God's not at my work. I've got to do work. God's there. And you brought him in there with you, by the way. The presence of God is the Bible's theme in many ways. In creation, we find the phrase, in the beginning, God. That's his presence. It's a declaration. There is no need for an apologetic of trying to prove God. God's presence in His very name and word does just that. God says, I am here and I am creating. We've already talked about those things a little bit, but we find there in creation His presence is announced. It does not have to be defended. We must beware of the danger that is rising that has been around for millennia. But to people to think, you know, God is in the trees. God is in the clouds. God is in the sun. You know what that causes people to do? It causes people to worship the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees. It causes idolatry. God created those things. But if you cut open a tree, you know what you're going to find? Wood. Tree guts. That's it. You won't find God inside of a tree. God is not inside of rocks. Rather, the rocks can cry out to Him. Yet He is very present. God's presence is both, both infinite and, and far and lofty, yet also right here. The closest person to me in this room is not sitting in the pew. The Lord is right here. The second thing that we find in the Bible that shows the presence of God is the old, in the Old Testament, from Genesis to the, throughout the Old Testament and the prophets, we find the covenants that God gives. God reveals His presence from the fall in the garden where He walks with man, where He comforts man, where He clothes man, sheds innocent blood on behalf of man. We furthermore find that as man continues to sin, he goes further and further away, not from a garden, but from God. From God's very presence. That's what sin will do to you. It will cut off every bit of fellowship that you've got with God. You might know Christ. You might be saved. But today, you very well may be living without fellowship. And that is a horrible place to be. Our life is to be in fellowship with the Spirit of God, through the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of Christ the Son, that we might know His presence in our life. We see this with Noah. We see His presence with Noah. We see His presence with Abraham. We see His presence there as He makes these covenants. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How about in the life of Moses? From a burning bush to Sinai to the, the daily living with the tabernacle and then later down the road with Israel, with the tabernacle and the temple. And what made those places so special? What made those men special? Was it their great faith? What made the temple so special? Or the tabernacle? Was it the beauty and the details? What made it such a wonderful place to go there and worship? None of those things. What separated the temple from everywhere else was that God was there. One of the saddest portions of Scripture that you, don't understand, that you and I often fail to misunderstand here, over there in Ezekiel, where slowly but surely the presence of God leaves the temple step by step and then leaves them all together. You and I tend to live our lives without an awareness of God being here. The only thing that made those things special 
And I can tell you this, you know what makes this building special? It's not the carpet. It's not the pews. It's not the preacher. And it's not y'all. It's the presence of God. God is here. How about on the cross? God the Son. God with us. The Emmanuel. Died upon the cross. As the Father turns His face from His own Son. Pouring out wrath for sin. Making Him a curse for us. How about in the church? You know what made Pentecost Pentecost? It wasn't Peter's preaching. It was God was there. The Spirit of God descended upon them. You know what makes church church today? The same thing. The presence of Almighty God. The Spirit of God that unites and knits hearts together that aren't just alike, that think differently, that smell differently, act differently same Spirit of God in His presence that abides and gives us sweet spirit that allows us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The presence of God that draws us near to find both conviction and comfort as we give our hearts and our lives to Him as living sacrifices. As we walk by faith, we worship by faith, we fellowship by faith, we make disciples by faith, we, we go and we outreach by faith, but we live a life of faith. The church needs to understand the presence of God. It is the very presence of God that empowers the worship service, that empowers the preaching, that empowers the singing, that empowers the fellowship, that empowers the very believer. It is the presence of God. And there is coming a consummation day where the presence of God will be known. You and I who know Christ shall see Him. Revelation tells us of this, and this is one of the most wonderful portions of Scripture that I can think of. Revelation 21 tells us this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them. They shall be His people and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. You know what makes heaven heaven? God's there. You know what makes heaven worth going to? Not the streets of gold. Not the gates of pearl. Not even the people that you'll get to be reunited with. And what a day that will be, won't it? God is there. The first thing that you see when you leave this world behind and you get to, get to go to heaven, not by any good work that you've done, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ by His good works. By the fact that His work is full and final and complete. That He bled and died and rose again to offer you life because you trust in Him. That's what's going to get you there. Not by anything you do. The moment you get there, you're not going to look and see your Bible heroes. You're not going to see the beauty that's all around you of the gold. You're not going to see even the, the loved ones that you love first. They're not going to be... Not, I don't believe here that they're going to be sitting there waiting up there and in this line, holding a sign, waiting for you. Like it's the airport. No. You know what John saw? What Isaiah saw? There is something that is much more overwhelming than all of those things. The throne of God. God sitting upon the throne. 
And His train fills the heavens. Fills the temple. By the way, He is the temple. What made the temple the temple is it's where God's presence abided and dwelt with His people. There will be no more wall of partition between a holy place and a holy of holier places. There will be nothing, dear believer, that will separate you from the very presence of Almighty God. No sin, no shame, no temptation, but you will see God. Is your life living like it right now? Is your life right now in order enough that you could drop dead right now and be fine with that? Is your life right now, dear Christian, in such a place where you're walking by the Spirit of God that you are just, I want to see God's face? It ought to be. We ought to want and to desire nothing more than the fellowship and the presence of Almighty God. God's promise is His Word. God's provision is His work. And God's presence is His will. God desires that you would abide with Him. It's for our good, for His glory. The preeminence of God's presence moves redemption along from age to age, season to season, moment by moment. If God is not omnipresent, all-present, we could not be saved, nor could we be secure. The same with every other attribute that we've talked about. If He's not this, He's not God. If He's not God, then what are we doing here? But God is here. Where God is, He is revealing Himself. Therefore, to all that He reveals Himself to, you must today respond by faith in order to know His presence, abide in His presence, and one day be able to see Him face to face. God desires to give you the fullness of His presence. I want us now, we've seen the preeminence throughout this. There's nothing more preeminent, I believe, besides the glory of God to know that God is with us and that God desires for you to know Him so that you might one day come and abide in His presence freely and fully Nothing will be more satisfying than to be with God. We find this now, the place of His presence. The psalmist gives great detail about where God is. Now we might teach children, where's God? They'll do that. That's a good answer. We might teach a new believer, where's God? He's abiding in us. What wonderful, sweet presence we have, but I want you to know this. Look at this. The omnipresent God is infinite in His presence and yet immediate in His presence. You can talk and pray with somebody on the phone and God is with them and God is with you. I've got somebody that we pray, I pray with often. Most of the time we have to pray on the phone. When we do so, it's one of the most wonderful truths because it's like He's right there, God's right there. That's a comfort. There is nowhere that we can go that God is not already present. He is present not just in part, but in fullness at all times, all things, and for all eternity. Where can you go? The psalmist says, Whither can I go from thy spirit? God is spirit. Where shall I flee from your presence? And notice that that's going to be important here in a moment. The psalmist now gives us a compass. What directions do you find on a compass, right? North, south, east, 
West, and let me Google it. Right? That's what most of us use as a compass. Here the psalmist begins here in verse number 8. He gives us the northern direction, if you will. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. He's due north. God is there. The heavens cannot contain His glory. No height can be high enough to overwhelm who He is. God is in the heaven. The Bible tells us God is in the heavens. He does as He pleases. You, if you could find a way to take a rocket ship or a satellite and send it out into the universe, to galaxy to galaxy, to the hundreds of billions times hundreds of billions of galaxies that is infinite in this universe, you'd still never reach it. God is higher and greater. How about this one? If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. The word hell here is the word Sheol. It's the idea of the grave, place of the dead. That's due south. It's in the ground. It's the idea. He's saying you can go as high as you can go and you can go as deep as you can go. God's present. You can climb a ladder and never reach His heights. You can dig a tunnel all the way to China. And I don't know if you can really do that or not. God's already there. Furthermore, He gives us the east. If I take the wings of the morning, what's that? Where does the sun rise? Rises in the east, sets in the west. How it all works, I don't know. But I'm going to trust God. Amen? One of my favorite things in the morning before I go on a walk with the dog is right outside our house, above the fire department, is normally where the sun starts to rise, get beautiful sunrises. You can stand out here and you can see the sunrise just over there. And it's glorious. It's beautiful. Here is the psalmist David is writing from Israel. He said, out in the east, this is where the sun rises. The sun rises in the east. As far as we can travel east, God is already there in all of His glory. You can keep going and going and going, and God is there. He's not just there, but He's here and He's over there. North, south, east, and now west. He says, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. If you know geographically where Israel is, the sea that he's speaking of is the Mediterranean. You know where that is compared to Israel? It's on the whole western bank. It covers the entire side. He's saying I could go as far as the east as from the west, and God is there. Jeremiah 23 tells us this. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 and 24 says, God is speaking. He says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? So what does the Lord say? I'm there. My presence is there. Dear church, where can you go or flee from the presence of God? Nowhere. Can you outsend the presence of God? Can you run so far that God is not already there? Can you hide under a rock or a tree that God is not already there? God is there. What comfort. And when we look at our life right now, what conviction we may have. 
God rules and reigns in the heaven. But we find as well that God is the one that judges and punishes those in hell. And we need to touch on this this morning. Some folks' idea of hell is hellish. It's wicked. It's unbiblical. If your idea of hell is that you will go and you will have fun with your friends and live as you want to, that's a wrong understanding. If you think that the devil painted red with a red pointy tail and a red pointy pitchfork is the one doing the tormenting, then you have no idea about hell. The devil himself, the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, shall be thrown into a lake of fire. I can tell you this, and this is backwards for some folks. We think that hell is ruled by the devil. We think that the devil is the one who will be there forever and forever to torment lost souls. And that's what's going to happen, by the way. But it won't be the devil doing so. Revelation 14 tells us this. This, of course, is smack dab in the middle of all the pronouncing of wicked judgment and the great day of tribulation. Revelation 14, verse number 9 and 10 says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Here's what that means, without mixture. What would often happen with wine is it would be mixed, diluted down. In hell, look up here. In hell, God's wrath will not be mixed. It will not be diluted. It will be poured out in absolute wrath forever and forever and forever. Hell is real. And hell is hot. And it is hot with the presence of God pouring out His wrath. He says, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of His indignation, and He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You say, well, brother, I thought that to die and go to hell is to die and go just away from the presence of God. 2 Thessalonians gives this verse, and I'm going to give it to you in just a moment. We're going to look at what this really means here. See, those in hell, according to Revelation 14, they're not going to know the goodness of God. They will not know mercy. They will not know grace. They will experience the absolute just wrath of God. That's what hell is. In hell, as we see even according to the Scripture, there will be those who wish that one person could come with one drop upon their finger of water to cool their tongue to give them a moment of ease. And it will not happen. Not one time in hell will we have that happen. There will be no ease or rest for the wicked. What we find in hell is that those that are there 
will want to flee from the presence of God. And they can't. For those who are in Christ, we should only desire the presence of God and one day we're going to enjoy it forever and forever. But they will not. 2 Thessalonians, and I'm sure some of you have already thought of this verse. wanted to address it this morning with this. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 says in verse number 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that, notice this, know not God. And there will be plenty a part of that know not God who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? Did we not cast out demons in Your name? Were we not a church member in Your name? Were we not a deacon in Your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. It is not merely about a mental knowledge about God. It is to know Him by faith. Today, how do you know God? Do you know Him, know Him? Does He know you? He goes on to say, not just those that know not God, but in they that obey not the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How, we, how can we obey? It's by faith. To receive the Gospel of Christ. Notice this. Verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. How can we have that in Revelation 14 be in the same Bible? We've got to understand something. The word presence here is the word prosopon. It's made up of two short words. Pros meaning toward, and the ops being the root, is the face, the eyes, the seeing. Here's what this means. Those in hell, he says, those who do not know God, those who have not obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, will be punished with everlasting, that's forever and forever and forever, destruction, not annihilation, destruction, forever and forever, from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His power. It's the idea that the gracious look of God will be turned aside. Do you know the only reason why you're saved today? God looked upon you in His grace and saved your soul. The Jewish people used to have this and used to talk about this much. Hallelujah. Our God is one. and They used to sing. and There's still many churches today who use this as a benediction. Let His face shine upon you. That's His blessing. It is His face of grace given to us. Those in hell may cry for mercy. And God will turn. Those in hell will cry for a moment of ease. God will turn. Make no mistake, the devil will not be the tormentor. As a matter of fact, he will one day be tormented with everlasting flame. God will turn his face from those punished by his holy presence. The difference is that you and I, who know Christ, are cleansed by his blood and clothed in his righteousness. One day I can stand before his presence and know him fully only because of Christ. Only because, as Miss Ann sang earlier, the precious blood that now pleads for me. Moment by moment. The 
only reason why I won't go to hell and have God's face turned from me is because He turned His face from His Son. And in so doing now, by grace through faith, He looks upon me. He does not see me. He does not see my filth and my unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of His Son clothed and cleansed by His blood. Hebrews tells us how important the presence of God is. Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have then a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, confidently unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Furthermore, Hebrews tells us this, chapter 10, verse 19. We read this earlier. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say His flesh, having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart. And full assurance of faith, that's to draw near, not just together in church, but into the presence of God. How can we do so? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. When you live in the presence of God, you help your neighbor live in the presence of God. When you show up to meet in the presence of God and you sing to God in His presence, you encourage and help one another. You ought to, dear Christian, give every moment in this place everything. Everything. Sing unashamedly. Pray unashamedly. Give it to the Lord. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. The day where those in the tribulation day will try to flee and hide from the wrath of the Lamb. They'll see Him. I don't know how it's all going to work, but they're going to see Him pouring out judgment upon them. And they will flee. You know what else they will do in the tribulation? They will curse the Lamb. The Lamb is their only hope. The Lamb is your only hope today. Have you been cleansed by His blood? For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know Him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto Me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God.
God's presence is not just ruling and reigning in the heavens and judging and punishing those in hell and turning His face from them. We find that He turns His face to you and I, dear believer, and His presence dwells in the believer's heart. We're going to see more of that tonight. He has given us His presence to always abide, to be the comforter for us. You say, there's great conviction today. I, I tremble as you should. When we think about the fact that you will see God. And that you, dear believer, when you leave this place, the Spirit of God goes with you. What will you do about it? Will you continue to grieve the Spirit and live your life for your flesh? Will you continue to grieve the Spirit and show up to church half-heartedly? Will you continue to grieve the Spirit and not surrender to His leading and His guiding and live by faith? God's will for us is to know, trust, and live in His presence. Heaven and eternity are about His glorious presence and to be with Christ. God has placed preeminence about His presence. It's up here throughout the Bible. The Bible starts with His presence. The Bible ends with His presence. And it begins and ends with God's people dwelling with Him. Redemption is to not just save us, but to reconcile us back to His presence. I'm not looking forward to going to a garden. I'm looking forward to being with God. God has not just placed preeminence upon His presence, but He has shown us the place. Where can you go that God is not there? Nothing in our life matters more than how we respond to the omnipresent God. The fact that God is here brings both conviction and comfort. As we said earlier, there is no comfort for those who are comfortable living under conviction. When conviction comes and you seek comfort, you must by faith trust Christ. You must look to Him daily, moment by moment. One day you will know God's presence and be in it forever. You will know it one of two ways. One, with His face to shine upon you, that you will know Him and He shall dwell with you and He shall be your God. and You shall be a part of His people. The other way that you will know God's presence as His face will not be turned to you in grace and mercy and love, but turned away from you and His wrath poured out upon you forever and forever, and you will never escape the overwhelming presence of the living God. Are you prepared to meet your God today? Are you prepared to meet God? Today, if you need to be prepared, come to the altar, take the Bible and show you Christ. Put your trust in Him and He will save you to the uttermost. Today, dear child of God, how long will you continue to live and to flee from His presence? How long until you learn to abide in it? How long until you praise Him for it? How long until knowing that God is with us convicts our heart of sin and leads us away from temptation and as well comforts our hearts in times of trial and difficulty? Let's all stand this morning. We're going to sing hymn number 
number 489. While the piano plays, you don't have to stand and even sing if you want to. If you've got something that you've got to get right, come to the altar and get it right with the Lord. This altar is open for all who will come. Number 489. Will you come today? 489. Pass me not, O gentle Savior.